It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Phil Mackey. He looks like he's in eighth grade, first of all. He does. If you stand by that guy, he is a midget. He is a little guy. Judd Zolgad. I consider my protege. That's right. <laughs> Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Listen, Mr. Tiles, I know you're not here to get stats clearly. Uh, you had nine and five points, uh, and you're not going to get in W's with nine and five points. Yo, man, you're a hell of a player. Get your big ass on the box. So give me the ball, man. Give me the ball. And Coach Tibbs, you know I love you. But don't be telling me this dude got to work hard. Call a play to get this dude the ball on the box. Don't have him standing out there shooting threes. Big cat, go down on the box, man. And just punish them little dudes. How do you deal with the He's talking about the double and triple teams he's seen. How do you deal no, with it? We showed all those plays I, I earlier. There were no double it. and triple teams. Stop right. it. Get the ball. Move before the double team comes. Invite the double team. Then make a pass out to your guy. Then repost, but demand the ball. You're playing with great energy, but you got to be aggressive. You, I know you're not playing for stats, but if you don't put up the big stats, you guys don't win. And when you don't win, we're going to be up here talking about you. I don't want to talk about you. You know what you got to do, big Come on, man. We like you. You got to play better, man. You can't have five points. Man, they're, they're pleading. They ignored Wiggins the entire night because they look <laughs> at Cat and they say, you could be one of us. You could be this good. You're worth talking and about. And kicking it back with a suit in 20 years on TNT with whoever the next, you know, yep. incarnation of Inside the NBA is. You're that good. Why are you doing this the way you're doing it? It is interesting to see the national media, whether it's inside the NBA or the Zach Lowe thing, just shredding the wolves in Carl Anthony Towns. Let's start with a Stephen A. Smith rant here that we were tipped off to on Twitter. I want to give proper credit here to uh, Livian sent us this. Apparently, Stephen A. Smith wasn't too happy about Carl Anthony Towns on first take. He went on a rant that this is a 60-second clip of what I think is a longer rant, but here's, here's screaming A. Call Anthony Towns. My brother, you look soft right now. You really do. I mean, they put Clint Capella on you. And then after that, they put Nene on you. And you don't seem, not only do you not seem to have an answer, you don't seem to want to find one. This is bad. And if there was anybody, Max, that needed to get the hell back to Minnesota, that cold weather and the blizzards of Minnesota, it is Carl Anthony Towns. Clearly, he has been frozen. He needs to defrost somehow, some way, going back from Houston to Minnesota as opposed to going from Minnesota to Houston. He's got to figure that out. But Carl Anthony Towns, you look soft right now like you don't want any parts of this. That's a bad look, young brother. Go out there, attack. If you shoot 0 for 20, so what? But you got to attack. 
Otherwise, the Minnesota Timberwolves will get swept. Well, they're going to get swept. I mean, they're being swept regardless. That's the, 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 the 58 don't seconds. Don't make it sound like you're coming back from this. The first 58 seconds were, you know, mostly correct, and then like they're still going to get swept. See, here's but, but yeah. the one thing that I will say is frustrating me right now when it comes to this series is I feel like Towns' struggles are the easy thing to glum onto and talk about, and they're interesting and they're disappointing. But. I prefer the, the dead spin piece, which we're about to bring up, which actually looks at what we've been watching all year. We saw Cat. Cat was fantastic. And Cat yeah. is struggling on a bigger stage. But the dead spin piece correctly identifies what people like you and I have been talking about for months now. And that's how this team runs. And it's troublesome. Well, it would almost be better if you're in favor of changes and alterations if Towns were playing really well and Butler were playing really well. But the rest of the rosters and scheme and coaching, there were, that there was a gap there. I mean, you're right. It's really easy to look at these two games and be like, well, if Towns would have played well. Yeah, they, and, you know, in game one, if Towns would have played better or if they would have mixed him in differently, they may have stole that game. And then the Rockets wake up and they do what they did do in game two. Here's Deadspin.com. Boy, that's funny. It is kind of flyover country for the first five or six months, but when you're on national TV and you're facing the best team in the NBA, and people are forced to watch you playing, and they're and and people are reacting. The national scene is reacting the same way that we have for most of the season, which is ooh, what? 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 <laughs> All right, this is from Deadspin. In Game One of the Rockets Wolves series, the eighth seeded Wolves lost in no small part because they inexplicably froze their two best players, Butler and Towns, out of the offense. Game two was last night, and the Rockets won by 20 points. Here's a stat courtesy of Basketball Reference. Usage percentage. Way over there on the right, for those uh, following on Deadspin, is one to make a weird face at. That's the one that explains, if not why the Timberwolves lost, then why they lost by 20 and not, say, four or five points. Related, as uh, it also records, is an example of how various responsibilities were arranged during this horror. Nemanja Bialica had the highest usage percentage when he was on, you know, per minute. Jeff Teague, Andrew Wiggins, Derek Rose also in the top four. Butler and Towns outside of the top four. And then they show a couple plays of like Derek Rose getting rejected <laughs> with are. 13 seconds on the shot clock, just yep. barreling in to defenders. I was going to describe what happened on this play, how, uh, how it looks like Butler and Towns were setting up some sort of a double screen action when Jamal Crawford audibled to Derrick Rose out on the wing, but instead, it's better to spend the rest of the day howling in uncontrollable laughter at the play. My advice is to watch this gif however many times it takes to start chuckling at the sight of Rose's hair flopping around as he bursts into his busted little hesitation crossover and then uh, gets rejected. Um, and then I'll just skip forward here. The shot clock has 13 seconds left on it when Derrick Rose attempts this hopeless shot. 13 seconds, and he's taking a spastic sideways fadeaway jumper that wouldn't qualify as a good look on a buzzer beater. That's 13 seconds the Wolves could have spent working to get either one of their two All-Stars meaningfully involved in the offense. Instead, there's Towns watching helplessly from out near the top of the key, and there's Butler flat-footed in the far corner a good 30 feet from the action. (laughs) De- the o- the only way yes! the only way I can I describe this. this is Derek Rose looks like a running back circa 1994 <laughs> barreling into the line of scrimmage and getting a yard. He looks like Leroy Horde did for the Vikings. That's as close uh, as I can describe. But this is what we've been watching all year. 
The town struggles are are new, and I don't believe that they're a long term problem. This is a long term problem. I'm going to keep reading. Okay, you oh, keep it's inter- keep interjecting here. Yes. It would be oversimplifying things to claim that what the Timberwolves need to do is as simple as having Towns and Butler take more shots and having, say, Rose and poor, clueless Andrew Wiggins take fewer. Butler and Towns are getting so few shots for reasons, after all, and at least one of those is a Houston defender that has excelled at disrupting their rhythms and preventing them from getting where they want to go on the floor. But still, take a look at the following shot by Gorgie Jang in the first quarter of Game 2, and it's Gorgie dribbling in by Nene and taking a spinning fadeaway from like 15 feet away. <laughs> Literally anyone can take this horrendous shot, which, like Rose's eerily similar and similarly dead-ended fadeaway, came up with plenty of time on the shot clock to hunt around for really any other look at the basket. Uh, then it has a Zach Lowe tweet. I mean, it's a small thing, but when Gorgie Jang is taking several contested mid-rangers early in the shot clock, you might be losing a battle against math. And just to, so on, on the play... It's so, it's so correct, though. On the play that you just described, uh, Belly is wide open. I mean, wide open for a three. Crawford, who I, I don't know if you, you would actually want to pass it to or not with the way he's shooting, is yeah. open as well. But the, these are the issues that aren't going away. These are the problems. Right. You know what? One of the most... You brought this up like three hours ago, and it, I think, is the... It's so simple, but it's one of the biggest reasons why the Rockets are as good as they are. There's there's so many things you could get caught up with in an NBA game and in an NBA season, and you know who do we get the ball to, and all, there's all these numbers and analytics now, and how do you incorporate them, and usage rates and all these things, and okay, throw all that stuff out. The Rockets have a very simple macro principle, offensively and defensively, and Mike D'Antoni was caught saying this mm-hmm. on TNT last night when they mic'd him up in a huddle. We shoot threes and we play defense. And what he didn't say is we switch everything on defense. Like we don't, we're not going to get concerned with, oh my God, they're like running pick and roll to get our point guard to guard their center. They're just like, you know what? If that happens, we'll come over, we'll double team him, and then we'll just rotate and figure it out. Right. Let's keep it simple. Yes. We shoot threes and we switch on defense. And we're going to put the personnel on the court that does those things well. Mm-hmm. And so if there's ever any question of what to do in a game or over the course of a road trip or in the fourth quarter, they always go back to their macro principles. We shoot threes and we switch on defense. And it makes it really easy. You know, if you just, if there's ever a question, man, what should we do right now? Eh, this game's not going well for us. I don't know. Let's shoot threes and switch on defense. And they're down by nine and he's telling them, stop worrying about it. Do you, do you think the Wolves' philosophy Here, or principles right. can be summed up in like one phrase the way that Houston's? Because I guarantee it can't. Guarantee it can't. Here's, here's what I think about the Wolves' principles and philosophies. We, we have used the term probably too much, but the term joyless. All right, let's rephrase that. Let's, let's rephrase that to what do the Wolves always look like they're, they're doing as individuals on the floor during the course of plays? They always look like they're thinking. Because they're getting yelled at, and they know if they screw up, they're probably getting lifted. Yeah. They, they never look like we've practiced this enough, and so now we are being turned free just to do it. Yeah. They always look like... Well, if I do this right now and I screw it up, guess what? I'm I'm not going to be playing at the next timeout because I'm out. Meanwhile, Mike D'Antoni but, is sitting back with his arms crossed and his legs out like he's napping because they've done all their work before but, the I mean, game. But but joy, joyless. An, another way to put joyless is you're always thinking and afraid because you, you know there's going to be immediate repercussions if you screw something up. Yeah. Six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. Bill, you're on the show. 
Hey, guys, I've been listening all morning, and I totally agree with you that uh, Houston is killing us and going to keep on killing us. But I can't listen anymore to how good they're. I'm sure you remember how many teams he's failed with until he finally lucked out and got all the right guys for maybe one, maybe two seasons. So I don't know if it's uh, D'Antoni or if it actually is he just finally got the right guys to come together for one or two great seasons. I think so. uh, Bill, thanks for the call. I think... It's if that's your stance, you're forgetting about how great those Phoenix teams yes. were for four years, yeah. and they just like they just ran into those Phoenix teams were so far ahead of their time, and they had Steve Nash and and Sean Marion, and they just ran into dynasties. I mean, they ran into the they ran into the San Antonio Spurs. Really, is what happened. So he's coached uh, the Suns, the Knicks, the Lakers, the Rockets. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, are, and are his, you checking his, out his. Okay. Yeah, he he was with the. Well, first of all, the Knicks. Nobody has worked with the Knicks because the Knicks are the worst run franchise in basketball. The Knicks are a, a disaster. He was hired in in two of those cases. What what he did with the Suns was great, and he definitely had the right personnel at the time. He was then hired by um, by Dolan of the Knicks, and the problem there is the Knicks said, "Well, your system works, right? Mm-hmm. Make it work." Well, if you don't have the right players, it doesn't work. And then if Jerry Buss was still alive when he was hired by the Lakers, that was late, I think, in Jerry Buss's life. And so I think Jerry Buss's son, who was a complete dumpster fire, was trying to run the team and did the exact same thing. So if you hired Mike D'Antoni and say, do your thing, and you give him personnel that doesn't work, it's going to flop. Yeah, I mean, he is. So I just pulled it up here. Mike D'Antoni has been to the Western Conference Finals. This will be They're going to go this year. This will be his third time in the Western Conference Finals. He has regular season win uh, loss records of 62 and 20, 54 and 28, 61 and 21, 55 and 27, uh, 55 and 27 again, 65 and 17 with Phoenix and Houston. So yeah, personnel absolutely That's matters, what it is. of course. Like you need to, it's it's a it's a system that requires three point shooters, but it's also a system that has a lot of leeway and that you can bring in a Chris Paul and it's not it's not a super rigid system like Tom Thibodeau seems to have. It's actually a very fluid system as long as you have shooters that can make those corner threes and and a really, really good decision maker who can also make shots at point guard in Chris Paul and back in the day, Steve Nash. Um, so I, I, I almost hope Mike D'Antoni wins a, a championship just a to very, validate his career. He's, he's a awesome very good coach, coach. For sure. All right. It's time. When we come back, gentlemen, Dave has printed out the mock schedule. Seven o'clock tonight is when the NFL schedules come out. Yeah, Dave Harrigan has has already basically told us what the schedule is going to be. No need to wait till seven. Are you reporting this, by the way, or is this just going to be a swami like accurate prediction? No, it's a, it's a reported mock. If the NFL's smart, they'll take a look at it. And any differences, they'll say, you know what, Harrigan's right. We should probably make that alteration before seven. And we're going to pick Dave's mock schedule with collar when we come back. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. Way too many words. On 1500 ESPN. We're ready. Are you? The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Ready, master control? Ready, switch on. This is 1500 ESPN. The schedule's out. Get those schedules out. Get all the schedules out. Tonight, primetime. Get all the schedules out. Get this, all is, the schedules. this is one of the most genius days of the sporting year. 
when the NFL is going to get a massive rating for a two-hour special that is nothing more than unveiling something that used to come out at 10 a.m. in the morning via fax back in the day. It's uh, it's become ritual. I mean, it really the fact that it's a primetime special now. It's only on NFL Network, right? Or is ESPN, ESPN doing also it too? has one? So it's it's going to be the highest. There's going to be an NFL and NHL playoff games on tonight. There's going to be you know there's all kinds of good TV on the networks on Thursday nights. It'll be one of the highest rated things on TV, the, right? The dirty little secret is, if I am correct on this, at about seven o'clock or so, NFL.com will release everything. But if you don't want to know, you can actually sit there in front yes. of your television for two hours as they slowly unveil it. Matthew Collar's in here, too. Oh, Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Ooh, it's supposed to be the off season, but I feel like it's the regular season because I am that jacked. It's about to get steamy in here because Dave Harrigan has gone through and he has he has mocked the Vikings schedule. One through 16, week 17 weeks, a bye week, and he has what he predicts the schedule will be at 7 o'clock tonight. And we are going to pick those games. I've never felt so close to Dave as I do today. (laughs) Well, let's see. Let's wait and see what you think, though. Do you have to hit the official mock sounder for a mock schedule? I don't know. No, we do. It's my fault. I want a mock! Mock! I want to mock! Mock! All right. Here we go. Let's, let's do, do this. Let's do this. Let's do it. We already know week one, right? Goosebumps <laughs> over here. Yeah. Okay. You know week one only because it's written right here, my man. Okay. <laughs> this tells you what week one is, and it yeah. is a Thursday night opener kicking off the NFL season at Philadelphia, Thursday, September 6th. Are you ready to give are your wins gonna, and losses are they now? Put that, is that going to be at night? I mean, because last time there was a night game played in Philadelphia, some Minnesotans didn't come home. Oh, yeah, people are in <laughs> Can we trouble. Can this to play that at noon on Thursday, actually? Right. Just so there's a little more light, you know, just want to make They're sure. They're warming up throwing cans of beer <laughs> so that by September 6th they got the arm in good shape. You know what? This, in 2010, the equivalent when the, when the Vikings got beat in the NFC Championship game and then they played at New Orleans the next year again and they got beat... Not this time. Mike Zimmer has seven or eight months in the offseason to scheme against the Eagles. I'm going to go a win in week one in prime time for the revamped Vikings. Oh, boy. Uh, so you, you go to Philadelphia. You got embarrassed where, where you lost a close game to the Saints and it hurt a lot. You're now coming back and playing a Philadelphia team that humiliated you. You got Kirk Cousins, who if he's ever going to get you know have a good game, he's going to ha- have it here. I'm going to agree with Phil. I'm going to say they win this game. Philadelphia, fat and happy, Super Bowl title. I'm going to say win. I say Mike Zimmer makes all the changes that he probably should have made going into that game for this game. <laughs> Typical and Minnesota the Vikings, sports team. Yes, and the Vikings win wow. on the road to open the season. Wow. All right. That's big. That's a big start. Hey, Judge, just so you know, we don't need like 45 seconds every single time. We're on a time. On a clock here. <laughs> I'm trying to give you a breakdown. <laughs> Week number two, Sunday, for a long September 16th. 16 minutes of breakdowns don't every be, time. <laughs> don't be picking on me. Uh-uh, I'm not going to take this. Uh, Week two, Sunday, September 16th. The home opener welcomes in the San Francisco 40 Garoppolo's. Uh, San Francisco is going to be a playoff team this year, but it's going to be a rough road for Jimmy Garoppolo. Inexperienced quarterbacks against Mike Zimmer defenses in that building. Uh Uh-uh. Vikings win. Win. 
I will Thanks, agree. Jeff. I will agree <laughs> that that is a win, and I would also like to remind anyone listening: this is a mock schedule, not the real schedule. <laughs> we were most likely the real schedule too. Yeah, probably. This schedule. is only a mock. If this was an actual schedule, <laughs> yes, we'd all be naked. Only a mock. We'd all be naked. We'd all be naked talking football. <laughs> I know this is a little uh, hard to imagine for Week Three. But we are going to get a Monday night matchup worth watching, boys, because it's, it is the Aaron Rodgers revenge game. It will be at Lambeau Field, Week mm. 3, Vikings-Packers, Monday, September 24th. And it will be an Aaron Rodgers revenge game. Packers win a close game late in the fourth quarter. Loss. I, I agree with you guys. I would go lost there. Okay, okay interesting. You're all lockstep no, so far. Negative, all right. Unless Aaron Rodgers at that point has demanded a trade to the Vikings, <laughs> to and the Kirk Vikings. Cousins is now the Packers quarterback. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Just quickly, I don't know that that, e, that ESPN gets this game from the National Football League on a Monday night. The falling wow, out has been such. Are you questioning such, the mock schedule? I don't right know. Now? The, I think the mock schedule is putting too much stake in how the league feels about ESPN right now. Could and be you, a Sunday night game. Yes. I agree with you. you might be right only because the reported first Monday night game, the the first game of the doubleheader, uh, it's going to be Lions-Jets. Yeah. Okay, go get them, oh, Espen. wow. <laughs> Week four, we will find out if Tom Brady still wants to be a quarterback in the National Football League when the Vikings visit the New England Patriots. Tom Brady does. On a Sunday, by the way. And the Vikings will lose. Yes, they will. They'll be 2-2 two two after this game. I say the Vikings win this one. Ooh. Wow, Mr. Positivity over okay. here. Yeah, a three and one start That's for the a, first that quarter. That should of be season. a Sunday night game. Absolutely. That's a nice That's a primetime game right there. Vikings and that's has to be a primetime. Week five, another Sunday matchup, another division matchup. The Chicago Bears are in town October seventh. Nice little bounce back game for the Purple, moving to three and two on the season. Yes. The improving Chicago Bears. Beat the Vikings in this game. So Whoa. The Vikings fall to two and three. Whoa. Surprising everybody with that. So this is at this is at home? Yes. Okay, Vikings Bank. Vikings win that one. Yeah. All right. By the way, again, reminder, this is only a mock. It is it's only, only a, a mock. mock schedule. This is not a real schedule. The real schedule comes mock. out in six and a half hours. We wanted to mock, so we mocked. But schedule. it's probably the real <laughs> because schedule. Because I've All nailed right. it. Okay. Okay. All right. Week six. You're visiting the Los Angeles Rams Sunday, October 14th. Too much firepower. Too much firepower. Too much Sean McVay. On which end? On both ends. But the Rams are going to have a little bit more. A little bit more. Uh, I say the Vikings, after dropping three consecutive in my world, rebound in this game and win this game to pull even at 3-3. Three and three. I'm going to go uh, lost to Sean McVay. I think McVay makes some changes from what he saw last year from the Zimmer defense, and they get a win there. The bye week comes at week number seven, Lost. boys. Because after that, you've got to get ready for back-to-back home tilts. Week eight, Sunday, October 28th, you welcome in the Buffalo Bills. Uh, no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, but that doesn't matter in a football game. The Vikings are going to beat Buffalo. Yes, I, I agree. A very emotional Matthew Collar watches his childhood team, the team of O.J. Simpson, lose. So the Vikings now are above 500. <laughs> 
The blood is on your hands. Yeah, I mean, I really did enjoy watching OJ run the football in the sixties. Um, <laughs> that would be the seventies, Matthew. He was at uh, he was at uh, Southern Cal in the sixties. Yeah, I met his high school years. I, I closely followed his college career yeah, way back then, and Pop then Warner. clearly, I, I will say that is a uh, win for the Minnesota Vikings over AJ McCarron. All right, we go to Week Nine. Oh boy, this is fun. Two years in a row they've met on Monday nights and had a. Another big playoff game last year. Week 9 is Monday, November 5th. New Orleans Saints back here at U.S. Bank. So my logic here, it's a Vikings win. New Orleans, their window was last year, and a miracle play slammed it shut for them. So New Orleans will uh, will have a, a rougher season. Still a good team, but tough NFC. They lose this game on the road. The three-game losing streak that the Vikings incurred on my schedule is now long forgotten as they win their third in a row. I say that the uh, Vikings lose that game to uh, Drew Brees. He gets his revenge and smokes Mackenzie Alexander on another fourth down. Only this time, there's no miracle. You all have the team at five and three right now, I believe. Very Week different 10? path to get there, but yes. Yeah, I'm at five and three. Week 10, you visit Soldier Field on the Chicago Bears Sunday, November 11th. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, it's a win for the Vikings. They're not losing to the Bears. Uh, in On my schedule, they lost to the Bears at U.S. Bank Stadium, so they get a bit of revenge and win this game to improve to six and three. I say the ghosts at Soldier Field come out again, and wow. the Vikings now face some adversity with two losses in a row on my mock schedule. Wow. They lose at Soldier Field. Wow. Back-to-back division games are awaited here because after the Bears, you've got a quick turnaround. It's the Thursday night game, another prime time. This time the Packers visit us. Uh, this is a revenge game. If the Vikings are uh, feeling a little bit trolly, I think this is the game where they retire Brett Favre's jersey and put Brett Favre <laughs> in the ring of honor as well and also beat Green Bay at home for a fourth consecutive victory. Anthony Barr has turned into the fixer when, when it comes to this game, and that's because he fixes Aaron Rodgers' collarbone each year. He breaks it again, and the Packers <laughs> lose this game. And now Rodgers is done, and your path is being cleared. <laughs> um, I'm putting this one on Kai Forbath's shoulders. He proved to be clutch in the playoffs last year. He comes through with a late clutch field goal, and the Vikings beat the pack. All right, week 12 is Sunday, November 25th. A lovely game. Maybe, really, you're only cold weather as I look through the schedule here because you're visiting the New York Jets. Could be chilly in the yeah, Big Apple. Yeah, I think the Jets are still tanking. I'll take a Vikings win, five straight. Baker Mayfield has his sternum broken by Anthony Barr in this game and is out for the season, and the Vikings win again, and now they are 8-3. and three. Very Zach Parisi of you. Uh, I will also take a win there for the Vikings. And again, this is only a mock schedule. Mock schedule, it's not real. It's only a mock schedule. But probably but the real schedule. Can I say this? Quick promotion. As soon as it comes out, tomorrow morning, Courtney Cronin and I from ESPN, uh, we're getting together for a Purple Podcast where we pick the real schedule. Boom. 15-hour right. ESPN. With account, actual analysis of the games, not made-up scenarios where the oh, kicker You makes think it. Judd's making up these scenarios where Anthony Barr Anthony Barr's just heard two starting quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> Can you make it three in a row? Who's next, Dave? If you want to take my copy with you just to get a head start on what the schedule is going to look like, Matthew, that's fine. Uh, week 13, Sunday, December 2nd, Detroit Lions in town. Your first of what still is two matchups with the Lions. By the way, admit it. You're in oh. your car right now cursing yourself for sitting through this segment, but also you can't turn the dial because you love it at the same time. Uh, it's another win for the Vikings, gentlemen. Wow. It is, uh, yes, it's three for three because Rodgers is out on November 15th. Uh, Baker Mayfield gets hurt on the 25th. And on December 2nd, Eric Kendricks joins the parade. Matthew Stafford suffers a concussion. 
And the Lions lose to the Vikings. Uh, I think the Vikings also win this game, and we are all thankful that it's not on Thanksgiving. Yes. Finally. Sunday, December 9th is your next one. Week 14 is Sam Bradford still upright as the Cardinals visit. He won't be at, if he still is after he this is, game. And it's a Sam Bradford revenge game. It's also a trap game for the Vikings oh. who lose at home to Arizona and David Johnson goes crazy for 180 yards total. Harrison Smith's safety blitz absolutely blew Bradford up, and he's taken off on a cart during the course of this game as the Arizona Cardinals lose their quarterback and they lose a the game. I love how Judd has him losing at home to the Bears and then rolling off like nine straight <laughs> They get red hot. They get red hot and they're hurting quarterbacks left and right. I do think at this point Mason Rudolph will be starting for the Arizona Cardinals. So I will take a win for the Vikings there myself. I've got him four wins in a row at this point. Three to go. Week 15, you visit the Seattle Seahawks Sunday, December 16. Teams in shambles. The Seahawks, not the Vikings, that is. Vikings win. Both streaks and the Vikings don't hurt a quarterback and they lose this game at Seattle and the win streak is broken. Russ puts the team on his back, somehow pulls out a miracle, even though Seattle is not a great team, and the Vikings lose on the road at Seattle. You wrap up the home schedule week 16, we'll call it Senior Day, Sunday, December 23rd, Miami Dolphins in town. Yeah, I mean, unless yeah, unless Dan Marino went into some sort of a like a, he didn't. A DeLorean. No, he uh, didn't. No, Vikings win. Uh, the Dolphins season is done by this point, and they give the same type of effort that the Bengals did late in the season last year, and the Vikings win 40-3. to Wow. Well, now we get score predictions from Judd. I just gave you a score. score predictions just gave you a score, and no quarterback Love hurt it. in this one. <laughs> I'll agree. This one's pretty easy. Uh, that We'll pick the Vikings over the Dolphins. All right. The only question about Week 17 is if they need the victory or not. Vikings... Detroit Lions this time. It's in Detroit Sunday, December 30th to wrap. So this could be a game where the Vikings are starting a uh, a backup quarterback here of some kind. So like this could be a Taylor Heineke game. I'm going to say Vikings lose this game. I'm going to say they lose the game. If the Vikings hadn't knocked Stafford out for the season on December 2nd, this game would be tough. But he's not starting, and so the Vikings win this game, and that is their 12th victory <laughs> of the season. I think that uh, Detroit is a pretty solid team and that they ultimately split, so I will take the loss there for the Vikings. There it is. That's the mock schedule that Dave Harrigan claims will be the actual schedule tonight at 7 o'clock. We shall see. Nailed it! Judd has him 12-4. and four. I have him 11-5. and five. Collar four five six seven eight nine. Uh, looks like you have him at ten and six. So we all are uh, pretty optimistic. Right we shall see. Same. All right, let's come back. Let's regroup. <laughs> After that, let's collect ourselves. Smoke a cigarette and uh, talk more football. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Yes. On fifteen hundred ESPN. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. Brilliant, yet pointless. Mackie and Judd on fifteen hundred ESPN. Mackie and Judd, Matthew Collar is our friend from Saturday Sports Talk. You can find him and Judd 10 to noon on Saturdays. Also, Matthew is the host of the Purple Podcast, 1500ESPN.com. He writes about the Vikings. Choose your own adventure. Do you want to talk football or do you want to talk 3-1 Wild Series? Because he writes about hockey for ESPN.com, too. Well, I always want to talk about football. So we ended up with 10-6 and six for me and 12-4 and four for both of you. No. I was 11-5. and five. You were 11-5. Josh was 12-4 and four, okay. I was 12 and 10-6. And okay. And four QBs hurt. Yes. So... <laughs> one was actually maimed... Uh, I decapitated one to, of them. To death, Man. yes. And that was, that Stafford got uh, decapitated. That was tough. But, but he's still trying to play because he's tough. It's like that Mortal Kombat video game from like 25 years ago where you've, Anthony Barr 
is standing next to a weary Matthew Stafford, and on the screen on Fox, it just says, finish him. <laughs> Sends a bolt of lightning through his sternum. There's a Weird Ale song that was, instead of why'd you have to make things so complicated, he's, why'd you have to go get decapitated? Wow. <laughs> so I, maybe that's going to be the same song right. Matthew Stafford plays. Uh, so <laughs> I, I look at this schedule, and I think that it's, especially with the quarterback competition that they're facing, a very, very tough slate of guys to go against. I mean, the fact that you have Breeze and Brady, Stafford twice, what might ultimately decide whether they're a 9-7, and 10-6, or whether they have another special season, is if Mitch Trubisky is good. Because last year we saw some flashes of good Mitch Trubisky, but he had no real great wide receivers. Kendall Wright, the guy the Vikings signed on a one-year, $1 million deal, was his best wide receiver last year. And he had offensive line get hurt, and he wasn't even the starter at the beginning of the year. Now, if he has one of those Jared Goff-like turnarounds really quickly from year one to year two... The Bears could be legitimately yeah. dangerous because the rest of that roster is good. I mean, they had a top, yeah, a top 10 defense last year. They gave, they gave teams trouble. It, I, the, the quarterback point is always one of the first things I like to look at, too, on schedules. Okay, which opposing quarterbacks are you facing? Forget about everything else and just, and just play that game. Um, if we believe that Carson Wentz and or Nick Foles and that infrastructure is going to be you know, tough to beat, like put them on the list, the only real breaks that you would be looking at is if Trubisky isn't good, you get two of those against Chicago. Uh, who's Buffalo's quarterback now? Well, it's AJ, AJ McCarron, McCarron at this McCarron, moment, right? Yeah, but it's very likely that yeah. they're going to draft one of these guys. I mean, Jets. So there's only like a small handful of Jets, uh, depending on. I mean, Sam Bradford, if he's still playing in Week 14 in Miami. I mean, there's like maybe a handful of teams that you'd you'd feel good about destroying their quarterback on a regular basis. Yeah, the, and the Jets. You know, I mean, if they draft Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is going to be the most fascinating guy to watch out of all of these quarterbacks because his numbers are far above any of the other guys for college. I mean, whether you look at his regular numbers, his analytics, and I think that his talent, his accuracy, his anticipation is all fantastic, and he's a great competitor, as we saw throughout this season, but he's also a jerk face and he looks like a guy that you could get underneath his skin yes. and that if he gets criticized in the New yeah. York media he'll constantly flip, he'll flip off the fans right how if it, Kansas right, how's this gonna go yeah. if Kansas University can get under your skin what's gonna happen when you face think, the Eagles or something I think the important question to ask you is this do you think Philadelphia exposed and anything in the Vikings defense that can be exploited long term because if they didn't the list of quarterbacks is tough but this defense is still really good but if you came back and said, nah, I think Philadelphia exposed two or three things, then it could be a problem. I'm not so sure that, that they did, and I fully expect that this defense is going to go back to being a top-five defense next season. I do not think that Philadelphia exposed some secret weakness that everyone will take advantage of because everyone does not have Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson, Absolutely, yeah. who are two of the absolute best offensive linemen, and Brandon Brooks, too, is a very good offensive lineman. Those two are like Hall of Fame-level talents, and it was them, I think, who played the biggest role in the Vikings losing that game. The other thing, though, is Mike Zimmer will make some changes at how they approach the road. When they were at home, they were one of the top five teams in sacks in the NFL. When they were on the road, they were a bottom seven or eight team. They couldn't get pressure on the road, and I think a part of it is they use that noise at U.S. Bank Stadium to mess with the communication of the other team. And when teams are making protection changes and things like that, 
They can't hear anything, and you see it all the time come through with big plays for the Vikings, but when they're on the road and everything is quiet, they can see what the Vikings are going to do, and they can make those changes, and then I think that that's why Philadelphia was able to take advantage. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see some different looks from him on the road, but it should still be a great, great defense, and I wouldn't be surprised either if they add another cornerback to the mix in the draft. I mean, if they can go, and again, we don't know... Other than other than Dave's uh, mock schedule prediction, which is sure to be a hundred percent right, so it's just a matter of proving it to be uh, official at seven o'clock tonight. It's just but a great feeling when you do a mock. It, it's light a cigarette, turn yeah. on some. I've never done one before. You know, Man. oil up the old. How great a feeling is it? It's great. It's like when you go swimming in the ocean in the morning and you come out and you just the warm California air and you just shake the. Well, sorry, Phil, you don't have much hair, but you know us with hair. <laughs> Shake it out, you know. Just uh, it's just a great feeling. I want a mock. Mock. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how it feels yeah. to be a mock. Like I, their road schedule <laughs> is absurd. At Eagles, at Packers, at Patriots, at Rams, even at Seattle may not be the same team they were, but it's still Russell Wilson in Seattle and that noise. If they can finish four and four on the road, that's a win this season for the Vikings. Yeah. Four and four on the road, and then win six, seven, or eight games at home. And uh, and now you're at ten plus wins on the season. But they did pick a tough schedule to go all in for the Super Bowl that this year. I mean, things change quickly. We never would have expected Aaron Rodgers would get hurt last year, or a number of other quarterbacks in the NFL that did. So you always have to going to factor that in: who gets hurt, who collapses. I expected the Giants to be much better than they were last year, and then everyone got hurt, and they fell apart, yep. and, and their team culture went to hell, and, and just everything, right? So that'll happen to somebody on that list. Throw a dart, who you'll, you'll get one of them. Um, but as far as on paper at this moment, there are very few teams that are just punching bags that you feel like you write in an automatic W. It's really the three teams in the AFC East with Miami, Buffalo, and the Jets. Mm-hmm. It would be really stunning if either any of those teams were really competitive. I've always said that I think you can have a fighting chance as of tomorrow of predicting a schedule through October, and after that, you can't. Like Arizona. I mean, yeah. Arizona could have a bounce back season, and you know, but Arizona could also be three and thirteen. And at some out. at some point in time, as surprising as this this will be when the day hits, things could go sideways with the Patriots. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I wouldn't. There's enough weird stuff going right. on there now where I can't assure you in December this won't be the year that they start to fall apart. Yeah, I wouldn't ever predict it. I wouldn't either. But, but eventually, but... it will happen. At some point, the Patriots will fall off the side of the cliff. And yesterday's report from Adam Schefter. I think what that's all about is Brady wants to play even longer. And he's going to get to a point where they might have to tell him to leave once he does have that fall off. Last year, he was still unbelievable. But I think what we saw with Peyton Manning was when it hits, it hits hard. And you're just done. I think as far as Brady goes, I think I was right about a year ago when when I said Belichick sees the end coming. Mm -hmm. But where I was completely wrong was I, I always assumed that Bill would get to make that call completely. And now Tom's sort of usurped Bill by going to Kraft. Mm -hmm. And so if you're right, what that is, is the infighting is going on between player and coach and and Kraft's the guy who's going to either have to say, Bill, I side with you and you're right and it's time for Tom to be gone. Or Tom, I'm with you and now Bill leaves. So 
It's a weird dynamic. The Patriots in the draft are a really fascinating team to watch because if Josh Rosen drops or if Lamar Jackson drops, I think they draft him. Or They're not a team that trades up, but if they did, they might want to take that quarterback and then you create kind of a Favre Aaron Rodgers type of situation that mostly existed with Jimmy Garoppolo over the last couple years, and that was a source of tension there. Well, that would be even more tension if you drafted Lamar Jackson or especially if Josh Rosen and dropped and they picked him because he's a guy that should be able to step right in and play pretty soon. And if you're Bill Belichick and you also plan on being around for a few years and maybe he doesn't, you're not going to make the same mistake twice. You're not going to send Jimmy Garoppolo and then Mm -hmm. the next guy that you think is going to be your franchise quarterback. So uh, schedule out tonight, tomorrow, keep an eye on uh, Purple Podcast with Courtney Crone and Matthew Collar. You guys, so you said t- like tomorrow morning sometime you guys are going to break it all down? Yep, by the middle of the day it'll be up, and uh, if you have an iPhone, you go to the little purple thing that says podcast. I mean, it's purple, it says podcast, so remember those Hard two miss, words, and really. then just type them in, and you'll and you'll find it if you haven't already subscribed. I think that all of you are totally insane for how well our podcast has continued to do in the offseason. Like, I love how crazy everyone else is about football because I, too, am that way. I feel like you could put a flaming bag of dog poo on a sidewalk and put a microphone next to it and then upload the audio of the flaming bag of poo for 30 minutes as long as it's labeled Vikings. <laughs> and, like, people are so all in on Vikings still in the offseason because they're actually competitive and they might win a Super Bowl, and I, I can't blame them for the excitement. Well, um... We'll hope that tomorrow's podcast is better, better than, than a flaming a bag flame. of poop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. indeed. Uh, Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast. <laughs> Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. How did your focus groups feel about cliffhangers? On 1500 ESPN, the Mackie and Judd are back. Now, you can tell when they're ready by poking them with your finger. On 1500 ESPN. Right now on the 1500 ESPN stream player, a $25 Visa gift card thanks to Luther Brookdale Toyota Shop. Where Mackey shops, head to 1500ESPN.com. Click on the stream player to find out how to win. Stall is parked in the high slot. He was knocked down by Morrissey. And is slow in getting up. Brodine gets it over for Dumba. Back up for Brodine. He'll get it up. Dumba down into the corner. You can see Stahl is ailing up there. He's going to head to the bench while play continues. My take is that the same take that everybody in the building saw it as the refs looked at it and they decided not to call it because uh, we were already on the power play. That, of course, the game. that of course was uh, Boudreaux talking Matthew Collar about a couple nights ago when, uh, when Stahl got hit and uh, Josh Morrissey, the Jets defenseman, suspended for Game 5 on Friday in a Winnipeg. Uh, but since you write about the league as a whole for ESPN.com, let's go bigger picture on what's going on here. What the hell is up with all the stick work that we've seen in the playoffs? Mm. Ordinarily, the playoffs are the times where, where fights decrease and in fight, fighting now has gotten to a point where you don't see it, which is fine. But you try and play somewhat of a cleaner game, I think, hard checking. We have seen in this first round no fewer than, what, five or more blatant, like, spears to the groin and just, and really cheap hits. What, why? Yeah. What was it? Ryan Hartman last night for, uh, yes. Nashville who got hit in the junk and, and it was not good. And two night, and two nights ago, the Tampa Bay players speared, um, the, the rookie from the Devils. Yes. R- exact same way. Um, I think that, 
maybe what we have is more skill players in the game, less guys who throw the body around. It's also not always efficient to throw the body around. And and coaches have caught on to that. As much as the NHL is still old school, a lot of times you take yourself out of position, take yourself out of plays and things like that when you're going to check people. And it was always just lauded because you love seeing a dude get knocked down. But it's not always the smartest play. So when things get chippy, I think a lot of players are turning to just smacking each other with sticks or taking dirty jabs. And and, And also, every game is getting a lot of attention now. So if that happens on a Tuesday night in Winnipeg in January, you never hear about it. But now you see every single one of these hits. I mean, with that said, I thought it was the right move to suspend Morrissey for that hit. He could say, oh, my stick, it accidentally came up. Yeah, okay, right into his brain. I mean, just like, I would have gone two games at least. Yeah, yeah, I I think he deserved that or more. But at the same time with what Boudreaux said, I understand why he would want to not pin that on his players because what's the point of piling on them? Also... You had a lot of other opportunities to score a goal in that game. And if you were going to tell me that that's the only penalty that was not called in that hockey game, well, that's just definitely not true. Yeah. I mean, you had, it is just, we we did the the math even going back in franchise history. So they've played, I want to say 13, if my math is correct, 13 playoff series in franchise history. So there's this playoff version. And then there was like, you know, the 2003, six, seven version. In 11 of, of those 13 series, Collar, they've fallen down 2-0 or 3-1. Now, they've actually come back to win a lot more of those series than you should or than you would hope for. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's been almost two decades of the same pattern in almost every playoff series where you scrap, 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 you can't score goals, you fall down, you grind, and uh, here we are again. And this roster has been made up for this most recent iteration of that with a lot of B-plus players. A lot of guys who are good enough to win games in the regular season and be competitive. But if you were just to rank every player on the ice between the Winnipeg Jets and the Minnesota Wild, you'd end up with three or four Winnipeg Jets players at the very top of your list before you got to a Minnesota Wild player. Yeah. And that and that player that you get to is Eric Stahl, who scored 42 goals in the regular season, but... You know, his head stayed on, but he certainly didn't make any sort of impact the other night. He really hasn't done anything in this series and really didn't do a whole lot in last year's series either. He's a guy that I think you can eliminate in the playoffs, even though he had a really good regular season. And you could say that across the board. I mean, when you get to almost 40 games of Jason Zucker, Charlie Coyle, Mikel Granlin, and none of them are anywhere close to their regular season production after about a half a season worth of playing, that says a lot about them. And I think what ultimately might end up sinking Chuck Fletcher is his commitment to this group of players that are just okay. And a goalie that has gotten them to where they're always somewhat competitive and, and Dubnik, but never does a Jonathan Quick or a Flurry from that no. series or what Quick has done in the past, where I didn't even think Vegas played so great, but Flurry was unbelievable and stole a series. Well, you don't have a goalie who has that high of a ceiling like a Flurry who will do that for you. So what you have is just a lot of eh, okay players. And now, do you do what Nashville did years ago? which is they started shuffling the deck. They started making trades. They made the trade for P.K. Subban, and that really changed their franchise. Yeah, and the Fletcher contract is up. Contract is up, so maybe maybe it's somebody else making those moves. Collar, great stuff. Purple Podcast, find it tomorrow, breaking down the uh, the schedule after the release at 7 tonight. We're back tomorrow, a little, uh, little game show Friday action, some write that down.
At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes. I'm Cologuard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive results should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you, or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in.